Hey, fintech friends. Hey fintech friends, my name is Helen Femi Williams and I'm your host of this new podcast, Hey Fintech Friends. This podcast is brought to you by This Week in Fintech, which is on the front page of Global Fintech News, fostering the largest fintech community through newsletters, thought leadership and events. Oh, and now podcasting. So let's talk about the structure of this podcast. First, we're going to go through the news. And if you're a subscriber to the This Week in Fintech newsletter, you're in luck because this is the audio version. Then we're going to have a chat with this week's friends, and yeah, it's plural, friends, Michael and Ray from Operator. And this episode, besties, is a little bit different from previous Hey Fintech Friends episodes. That is due to some internet issues, but it makes for a really good, interesting chat. Because there are times when Michael and Ray are actually interviewing each other, and there are other times when we're having like a really interesting three-way conversation. And lastly, I'll tell you a little bit about the latest Signals article. Des Fleming interviews Yago to understand how his company, Canlex, is turning lawsuits into investable financial assets. Now let's move on to the Fintectionary of the week. And this week's Fintectionary is mobile money pay. And according to the World Bank, at the most basic level, mobile money is the provision of financial services through a mobile device. This broad definition encompasses a range of services, including payments such as peer-to-peer transfers, finance such as insurance products, and banking such as account balance inquiries. In practice, a variety of means can be used such as sending text messages to transfer value or accessing bank account details via the mobile internet. Special contactless technologies are available that allows phones to transfer money to contactless cash registers. Although mobile phones are central to all these uses, mobile money is more than just technology. It needs a cash-in, cash-out infrastructure, usually accomplished through a network of cash merchants who receive a small commission for turning cash into electronic value and vice versa. This week in fintech, first internet bank launched its do more business checking account. Dutch bank ABN Amro's payment app Tiki launched functionality for settling group spending. FTX partnered with social media site Reddit to create tokenized community points. Banking as a service provider Bond launched their credit builder card product to let anyone create their own secured cards. SmilePay rolled out face-based payments with two food retailers in Azerbaijan. In other news, turnover and tensions are both running high at Marcus, Goldman's consumer banking unit. MasterCard is facing backlash for its installment payment product, with food and gas merchants opting out after announcing it would charge retailers 3% of purchase price for using installments. The stock exchange of Thailand partnered with Bloomberg to create a financial lab NatWest's open banking tool PayIt hit the £1 billion process mark. The US Federal Reserve Board established a tiered system for evaluating whether to grant access to its accounts and payment services to fintechs. 
Israeli authorities are cutting down on cash in order to spur adoption of digital payments. The United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, meanwhile, has cautioned developing countries against adopting crypto too quickly. Barclays closed 18 more branches, bringing its total of the year to 178. A UK tech consortium is running a sterling stablecoin pilot. Revolut is switching from Paxos to crypto provider Apex Crypto. Ready Life is helping people become homeowners without a credit score. Nigerian payments provider Interswitch integrated all its APIs into one platform, Bridgecard, a credit card issuer for Africa. Online marketplace Flippa added a digital asset purchase intelligence tool. Digital wealth manager Scalable Capital doubled client assets to 10 billion euros. Banking as a service provider Green Dot, locked in a dispute with Uber, has been steadily losing other clients. And finally, one of the stars of Selling Sunsets launched a brokerage that is now adding crypto services. That's this week in FinTech. Now for our chat with this week's friend, I interviewed the co-founders of Operator, Ray and Michael. Ray Vasega brings a wealth of software engineering, product management and entrepreneurial experience to Operator. As one of Uganda's leading software engineers, Ray founded his software consultancy firm called Spark Club, delivering digital products for clients such as World Bank, MTN Group, UNICEF, Clinton Health Access Initiative, RTI International and Maxwell Stamp amongst others. Ray has likewise worked for Nigerian fintech startup Flutterwave as their technical product manager for fintech as a service. Michael Schwartz began his career in the investment industry before moving to the other side of the table to lead the corporate finance department at Phoenix International and PEG Africa two of the continent's leading solar home system businesses. He has likewise supported a number of East African startups with fundraising and financial modelling efforts, including leading Mr. Green Africa, a Nairobi-based social enterprise focus on plastic recycling and processing through its Series A fundraise. Hope you enjoy our friendly chat. And like I said, this chat is a little bit different from our previous ones because we do go through serious questions. We do go through quick fire questions, but there are points in which Ray and Michael are just having a conversation between each other. And you'll see that it's quite good. It's a good, friendly chat. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We're excited to have you both. I think where we should probably start is to basically just talk about like Ray and Michael, like, um, who are you and where are you based? Uh, great question. Sure. So, yeah, Mike, you want to go first? Uh, you, you start us off. Thank you. Have a <laughs> small lag. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm Raymond. I'm uh, based in Kampala, Uganda. I'm co-founder of Operator and happy to be here. Uh, and I'm, I'm Mike. I'm uh, <clears throat> Ray's co-founder at Operetta and I am currently based in Dakar, Senegal though I am relocating to Nairobi in a couple months. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't realize that both of you were, were, were located in Africa. Have you always lived in the continent or did you move around? So I have not. I, I was um, born in a small town in Colorado um, and uh, did my studies in San Francisco before moving uh, eventually to Kampala, which is where I met Ray. Uh, so, so I lived there 
for three years, um, relocated to Dakar, and now heading to Nairobi. So I guess for the past five or so years, um, bouncing around the continent a bit. Out of those three countries, which one have you liked the most? Oh, man, I, I knew that's where you were going. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't answer that. It wouldn't be fair. Well, I haven't lived in Nairobi. Um, what, what, I, what I like to True. say to people, I mean, they're, they're extremely different places. Um, Uganda, I, I loved, I grew up in the mountains. Um, so nothing, I've never been anywhere that's compared in terms of natural beauty. Um, you know, just kayaking down the Nile river or hiking up a volcano or going on safari on the weekends, um, is, I mean, I can't imagine there is anywhere else in the world that offers so much, um, kind of biological diversity in such a small space. Um, and then Senegal is obviously not, you know, it's very flat. It's the fat, flattest place I've ever lived. Um, but the, the cultural scene here is amazing. Um, ju just last month was the BNL, uh, which is this massive um, art exhibition on the African continent. People, you know, artists from all over um, coming to show their work. And it's the most impressive gathering of artists I've, I've ever witnessed. Um, and, and the music scene. Uh, I, I love West African food. So I, yeah, it's, it, there's no right answer. Um, they just, they both have, um, their kind of pros and cons, I guess. Yeah. That does sound pretty amazing, especially like all the things you're able to do in one country. What about you, Ray? Like what's your, how long have you, uh, what's your story? Like how long have you lived and what's the best thing to do there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Kampala, uh, in Uganda. Um, as with any other, you know, middle-class kid, you go to boarding school for high school, uh, six years. And then I joined Marker University, uh, in Uganda, but halfway through, I got onto this research project, the MIT iLabs. And so, um, that's, that's, that was my first foray into the U S. Um, and over a three year period, I just kept going back and forth doing my research there. And then, um, yeah, uh, th that's what got me into the international scene. Um, I've, I've worked in Africa. Uh, I've, I've worked and lived in Southeast Asia. Uh, and then I came back to Africa. Um, there's tons of beautiful countries out there. Um, but I would say outside of Africa, my favorite country might be Indonesia, I think, because um, it's just so large. There's three or four different time zones. There's different kinds of ecosystems. And the people are really quite chill. And I really, I really like that. Um, yeah. I would say culturally, though, I really enjoyed living in, in Timor-Leste because I was there for a year. Um, and yeah, so Southeast Asia has a special place in my heart. That's actually funny because Southeast Asia has a special place in my heart, but Malaysia, because I used to live there. But Indonesia and Malaysia actually have quite a similar culture. And I love the food of Indonesia. And yeah, like the vibe is quite good and quite funny, actually. Mm -hmm. I feel like I got into so many situations, <laughs> whether I liked to or not, like whether I was trying to or not, just based off just just the way the country works. Um, but yeah, let's circle back to kind of like fintech and everything. Um, obviously, you both work at Operator. Um but if, you know, one of your non-fintech friends was to ask you what you do, what, exact, what exactly would you say you do and how would you explain operator? That's a great question. I can um, direct that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay, cool. uh, well, you're going to direct it to Mike. Mike, do you want to answer it? 
Yeah, sure. I guess I guess for me, because I'm often, well, like when I explain it to my parents, for example, who are American and, and don't know what mobile money is, their their starting point is uh, probably a bit further behind than than most of the people, right, you'd be explaining it to. Um, yeah, so I mean, for, first things first, I, I just, you have to kind of start with the mobile money ecosystem. Uh, and, and the way I describe it to people is it's effectively having a wallet attached to your you know, telecommunication SIM card. Uh, and, and so in the absence of you know, having a bank account, you, you can uh, in, in some ways have a, let's say, transactions-oriented bank account um, through your telecom provider. Uh, and, and that's the, the way many people across the continent and actually a, a, across the global south now really um, are accessing financial services. And um, when it comes to that, like our business, we're targeting one, let's say, special role that sort of underpins that entire ecosystem, which is the mobile money agent. Uh, and so the agent is effectively a human ATM, um, and they act as the sort of bridge between the mobile money network uh, and the customer, right? So they're, they're the person I would go to in the same way I would go to, let's say, like a bank teller or, or an ATM to withdraw or deposit cash. Um, and, and so that's, that's our customer. Now, in terms of what we're building for them, um, we're trying to digitize them. And so we, that individual is still very, um, let's say, kind of analog in their operations. They use pen and paper to record their transactions. They use Excel spreadsheets to understand their earnings. Um, they typically are using feature phones to actually run their business. And, and so what we're trying to do um, is bring them into the digital economy. So, so bring them onto their smartphone, help them use uh, activity on that smartphone to create a digital identity in the same way that I have a digital identity uh, as an American that uh, you know, has a formal credit score, uh, which follows me around everywhere I go. Uh, and then based on that digital identity, uh, connect them to the financial services they need to to grow their business, their their core mobile money business. Uh, so that is that's the summary. Hope that hope that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. So, is it mainly like businesses you're working with, or is it also like individuals themselves? So, so technically they are businesses, but but they're they they tend to be individuals. Um, so they they're operating. Yeah. a small shop or a kiosk uh, and, and they tend to be single single person in, in some cases they'll be like a small network of agents um, working under um, a, a bigger operator but tends to be individual yeah I, I yeah that that make that all makes a lot of sense and it must be it's funny because like something like mobile money pay was is actually something which in the in the regions that you work in is something that's been there for a really long time in some ways more in some ways, even before kind of like fintech came to like the West and stuff, mobile money pay was something that like East Africa and stuff was always, not always, but like the emergence of it is quite like stronghold. Do you, um have you like faced a lot of like challenges, like building that up or is it, or or has like the kind of going from like analog to to digital being like quite like easy? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, well, anything worth doing is is not easy um that's that's the first thing but i would say i think as with anything you know agents fall on a spectrum there is an agent with a, a simple stand and an umbrella and there's agents with our uh, large storefront that also sells a bunch of uh other goods and services and products and so 
what we've encountered is that, you know, as we design for agents and as we try to get them into the digital economy, we've had to really uh, consider that first time user experience because for many of them, it's the first time they're using smartphones. And so in, in the words of IDEO, uh, we're, we're designing for digital confidence. We want people to maintain their dignity even as they use some of these tools, these digital tools for the first time. So it's been, um, it's, it's not been as easy as designing, you know, an Uber-like app or something like that. It's been about spending a lot of time with agents, trying to make sure that the language is universal, trying to make sure that um, the, the, the workflows are intuitive and that they don't have to go to a school or to to be coached to be able to use the app. So it's, it's, it's been quite exciting, quite fun, but definitely challenging yeah i can imagine so and i think that piece is really interesting like with anything that anyone wants to make you want it to be that it's so seamless that people are like oh i already know how to use it before i before you even use it so i can imagine that's like a challenge to get through but like quite an interesting like proposition um so if then we look like if we were to circle like 10 15 years like what would operator look like what would you guys be doing yeah, so uh, you know, I think for for us, it, it begins and ends with the agent. Um, so so we we view the agent really as our as our core customer, and and the aim is to build the digital platform to to revolutionize their business. Um, and so you know, I think there, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing today that that's reflected there. So you know, bring, bringing them on to their smartphone, um, bringing them into the digital economy. Um, helping them create the digital identity in, in the way that I explained. But I think what, what gets interesting when you think about the long-term vision is how we sort of layer additional services on top of that. And so, you know, I think we're, we're thinking today about, okay, how do we support the agent in running their core mobile money business? Um, and so, you know, in terms of like giving them the information, the tools and, and the capital, they need to do that. Uh, but over time, how do we how do we turn the agent into more than, than just a mobile money kiosk? And into a more, let's say, holistic uh, financial services provider for, for their community, um, or, or even just a digital services provider for their community. Um, and, and so I think what, what we're thinking a lot about is what is the kind of core infrastructure layer that enables that? And, and for us, that's really this digital identity layer. Um, how do we layer services on top of that, that not only open up new opportunities for the agent, but also reinforce that layer. So if you think about sort of our first product being a loan to the agent, um, we're using the digital identity to offer that loan in, in a smart way, but also the, the credit history that they build through that loan program reinforces the identity, right? That, that information feeds back into the initial layer. Um, and, and as we you know, think about layers to add on top of that, how do we prioritize those that we're best positioned to build ourselves? Uh, versus those that we can offer through third-party integrations. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the, the way we see it evolving over time. Yeah, and just to add to that, um, so one thing that uh, most don't realize is that mobile money, which everyone talks about as this leapfrogging technology, is underpinned by analog agent networks. A lot of the agent networks that run mobile money all over the world are purely analog. There's a lot of cash Cash, cash logistics, there's a lot of uh, physical ledger books, there's a lot of money being carried around, and there's hardly any technology. And so by us choosing to focus on the agent and then building on that atomic unit, because the agent is representative of this entire vertical industry that is sort of analog, mo mostly analog. If we can 
um, build the right infrastructure tools to embed ourselves in their core day-to-day -day workflows and then build highly tailored software solutions for them. I think we, we unlock a whole new market because uh, first, we aim to deliver value for the agents first before extracting any sort of value. First, we bring them value and then either through either directly or through third parties. And then by doing that, we're then able to use this agent network to sort of uh, deliver more value for their communities to um, become the conduit for uh, last mile fulfillment of uh, digital services for their communities. Because um, uh, it's, it's, it's easy to overstate the digitization that's happening in Africa. I think there is so much more to do. Like when you're actually on the ground, you realize that a lot of the digital tools and apps that we see are for the one, two percent. They don't really service uh, the rest of the population. And so our goal and our vision is that we can deliver value to these agent networks and also use them to deliver additional value to their communities. Thanks for that answer. I think that's really interesting because I think that I think what Ray picked up on is really interesting, like where there is so much to be serviced. And a lot of the time when people think about like these these um these products it is for that like one and two percent and there's so many different and like unique products that could be serviced and it sounds like in the route that you guys are going on that's where you're going so I think it's really interesting to see what that looks like in 10 years or so but I'm gonna move on and just basically um ask you guys what is there kind of like a fact or stat that you've seen recently that you think has been quite interesting when it comes to mobile money or just like in general in the world of fintech? Yeah, I mean, I can, I'll step in here. I mean, so so um, mobile money, uh, I mean, you, if you saw the uh, big, uh, what is it, GSMA, I think report, uh, it, it just passed the trillion dollar mark in uh, total transaction value, which, uh, I mean, it's one of those sort of buzzword kind of numbers, but uh, I, I think it, it speaks to a point that you made earlier, Helen, about, um, just the the actual sophistication um, in, in terms of mobile uh, mobile transaction activity. Um, you know, I think like people people in the U.S. you know are using Venmo now and Cash App and, and things like this, um, and it's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, but it it still doesn't come anywhere close to the the volume uh, and just the kind of percentage of overall activity that that exists. Um, across um, the developing world, but in particular on the African continent. Yeah, I think the one other really interesting thing about that start as well is that all of this is driven by the physical ubiquity of human beings. Like this is human beings who are sort of uh, human ATMs. They are the ones that drive the digitization of this cash into digital money to be able to make it move around. And so it's kind of like also telling of the sort of like culture, the difference in culture, you know, because uh, it, I, I think it's very unlikely that you'll, you'll go to uh, a guy at a corner somewhere in New York and ask to uh, take money out or get electronic money, right? Um, so that, that's another interesting thing about that stuff. Okay, so we've had, um, we've had four previous guests on the podcast and every single time we have a episode, I ask people like, what question should we ask the next guest? Given there's two of you, what I'll do is just like ask Ray a question and ask Mike a question. And then we'll move on to like maybe more fun questions after that. 
Um, so our first guest, Rohit, he asked, um, what was your oh shit moment in your career? So um, I'll direct that at Michael. Michael. Um, so that's basically a, a moment where like you did stuff and then it, it basically went wrong. The whole thing went wrong. Do you, do you have like a time in your career where you can, when you remember that happening? Oh, interesting. I, um, I, I kind of understood that question very differently. Like you're, you're sort of like, oh shit, epiphany moment. Um, hmm, let me think a time when, uh, well, I mean, as someone, I think anyone who, um, who works in, uh, in, in financial models can attest to this, but I, I, um, there was a like, four month stretch where I thought my, um, my backup, I, my backup cloud function was, um, downloading and refreshing, um, all the models I was working in. And, uh, I, I mean, this sounds, <laughs> this is like a very nuanced and finance financy example, but, um, oh man, when, when, um, I lost that computer or that computer broke down and, and I had to switch to a new computer and realize that I hadn't saved any of that work. It was, uh, just about a breaking point for me when I was back, and this is back in sort of my investment fund days when, you know, as like an analyst or associate, you're like sleeping in your car. And, um, so I, I would say it was an, oh shit moment, both in terms of, um, oh shit, I'm totally screwed. And, um, I, you know, I'm going to have to like work like crazy and whatever, but it was also an, oh shit epiphany moment in terms of, I need to really get out of this industry. Um, so I guess that's sort of a, a bit of a double entendre. It worked both ways and uh, is probably a, a big part of the reason why I'm here today. Yeah, I love that. I love how your oh shit also was kind of your eureka moment. And actually, yeah, that is also a question I've I've, I've started to add into the podcast, like when was your eureka moment? So like, I kind of like that yours was both. Um, I feel like that's definitely some, something that we can all relate to, whether it's like personal or work. I, I I don't think anyone in the modern world has has not had a time where they've not saved stuff that's important and then it all got wrong. I can definitely remember I did that with a phone once and I just I cried. <laughs> um so oh, Ray it, it's the absolute worst. It is the absolute worst, but you learn your lesson after that. Like once that happens to you, I'm sorry, like you never do it again because it was so painful. I lost like two years of photos because <laughs> my phone just died and I like, I was living recklessly. I never backed anything up. Yeah, I had my phone stolen a while ago and I wasn't using Apple Cloud. And as soon as I got a new phone, I subscribed. I was like, you know, whatever. I would rather pay $3 a month than, you know, never get to see my old photos again. All Just good. FYI, we, we've, we've started interviewing each other. So I asked Ray um, <laughs> if he wasn't doing this, what he would be doing. Um, and he, he said he'd be probably either, he'd be either farming or working in the hospitality industry just, just to get you up to speed. Yeah. Yeah, you guys can just do the podcast. <laughs> 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 I don't need to be. I think my hotspot is any. But uh, but yeah, Ray, when Operetta is a big success and we can we can settle down, I am very in on on uh, opening up a lodge. If uh, if you're yeah, like a That'll eco lodge so great, in the mountain somewhere, yeah. Lake Matanda preferably it. or Fort Portal also. Oh would be, my god! Awesome. You know, I still haven't been to Lake Matanda. Disappointing. I should go. We need to do that next time. Next time I'm in town. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Well, do you want to ask me a question? Okay, let me look at the rolodex of questions, and 
Okay, uh, this one is deep, so prepare yourself. Um, what's a philosophical question that you often dwell on? Oof, man. You've, you've opened up the can of worms, Ray. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you were to ask this of like any of my closest friends, they would, they would have the answer immediately. Um, but uh, let's just say I'm not a believer necessarily in free will. Um, so that's, I mean, yeah. that's a, kind of a nihilist way of thinking, but it yeah. is the way that I think. And I just to use this example of, of operetta. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if the, like, there's so many little things, right? But like, imagine if the pandemic hadn't happened. Imagine if, you yeah. know, during the pandemic, someone hadn't moved out from the compound, you know, like both of those things just coincidentally brought you right next door and brought us together. I know. Right? Uh, and neither of those things were in our control, right? But yet the most impactful thing to happen to me in this year, obviously, was starting this company with you. Um, and so it's the, these types of yeah. sort of random coincidences that completely dictate the kind of direction that our lives take that, yeah, sort of make me feel like we have no control, um, which yeah, I think some people view as a um, sort of like sobering or, or defeatist per- perspective. But, but in my case, you know, I think it, it's actually quite the opposite. Um, you know, it's a way of just like living a bit more in the moment and uh, not worrying too much about the impact that all these decisions will have, because ultimately they're, they're not your decisions anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you, 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 you kind of believe in sort of like the, the, the butterfly effect, you know, kind of like, uh, it's just like a, a series of dominoes and, it's out of our control. Yeah, exactly. That, that is all right. Infinite complexity. Mm, mm, that is deep, yo. That is deep. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like now, I'm thinking. You know, now I'm now I'm chewing on it, and I have I have more questions. But then at, at the same time, you know, like um, I don't know. I, I in many ways I do not feel like that. I mean, I agree with you, but I also feel that I don't think life is that deterministic in a way. I think uh, we don't have fates. Uh, if anything, we create them uh, or we can like choose, okay, I don't like this. I'm going to change it to something else. But I don't know. I should, I should show on that. You know, I think there's, uh, as you said, infinite complexity. Um, I think it could go either way. It could be deterministic or it could be non-deterministic. I don't know. Um, something to think about. Yeah. Well, maybe um, you chew on that. Uh, and in the meanwhile, it looks like Helen is back, but I'll, I'll ask you a quick fire question. Um, what movie, book, mm-hmm. or TV show changed your life? Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, there's been quite a few. I thought, well, I would say, you know, I can't really settle for one, but Mr. Nobody was uh, a, quite a movie. You know, it got me thinking about all of these things. And then Deus Ex Machina as well, you know, like got me thinking about what is sentience, you know, like what does it mean to be human? Um, is intelligence, you know, a defining factor of humanity or, you know, is it something else? Um, and then another movie that really got me thinking about like the, you know, the power of perspective was Lamb. It was this, uh, uh, Ethiopian movie, like an indie movie about this boy in 
rural Ethiopia who has a lamb, but then there's all of these other uh, social, economic, uh, political factors happening all around him, his family, you know, the the land and all this stuff. It's called Lamb. Um, it's very, very good. You should watch it. It got me thinking about, you know, the power of perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, marking it down. That's in that regard. Marking it down. It looks nice. like it's set in the uh, Simeon so, Mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's such a beautiful movie. It's so stunning. Uh, I was like, wow. Um, okay. I'm just, I'm going to alternate between you two. So like, I'm going to ask Ray a question and ask Michael a question and keep going. So we've got like 20, but we'll, let's see how far we can get through. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ray, what mundane activity do you secretly take pride in? Ooh, um, I like pottery and I like sailing. Michael, texting or talking? Talking. Ray, from one to ten, how hot do you like your shower? Eight. Oh. <laughs> Michael, arrive early or arrive late? Wait, definitely. Late. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ray, what's the best age? I think the best age is 27. Oh, really? I'm about to turn to 27. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Michael, um, would you rather drink ketchup through a straw or eat mayo with a spoon? Oh. Um, oh my god ketchup i guess i don't know yuck <laughs> oh my god that is terrible <laughs> i hate both can i substitute like chili with you gone off script yeah <laughs> what did you say about the chili I, know, I, just, I was just substituting in chili instead of ketchup or mayonnaise both of which i despise um but sorry like go, go ahead helen i'm not kidding you uh, mike would drink a bottle of chili no joke i mean there's no right answer there I feel. um ray would you rather live in a country with a low cost of living but horrible weather or live in a country with a high cost of living and amazing weather um the latter high cost of living and amazing weather yeah um, Michael, would you rather be a chicken for one day or a cow for one day? Uh, chicken for one day. Fair enough. Um, I started to realise you've, you've got all the weird questions. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not on purpose. <laughs> Ray, would, Ray, would you rather um, control the world's dreams for a night or control one's person's dreams forever? One person's dreams forever. Uh, I think the latter, one person's dreams forever. I know. Um, Michael, would you rather lose the ability to lie or believe everything you're told? Lose the ability to lie. Um, mm-hmm. Ray, would you rather fight a mermaid or a polar bear? Uh, I think I'd rather fight a polar bear because the mermaids in Harry Potter were really scary. So, yeah, a polar bear. Fair enough. Uh, Michael, dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. Ray, um, for a journal, paper or computer? Paper. Um, Michael, how many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Oh, come on. I keep getting the bad questions. I don't know, four, maybe five, a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, a lot of coffee. I mean, the coffee in East Africa is amazing. I I blame Uganda. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah there's really good coffee here. I, if I drink more than one, I get jittery. I can't do it. Um, what? You only yeah. drink two? I only drink Is one. Because two, two, I can't even concentrate. Wow. <laughs> Ray, would you rather perform surgery without any qualifications or fly a commercial plane without any qualifications? Oh, my God. I think I would rather do the surgery. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Um, Michael. Yeah, because then, then I only kill one person instead of like 300 people. Right. Oh yeah. What about if it's mass surgery? Then I don't know why you'd be doing math. I don't even know. Oof. <laughs> I don't know why you performing mass surgery. Or like maybe you're in the doc. You're in A and E for like the day, so you come across like loads of different issues. Mm-hmm. You have to like give birth to a baby. You have to like do your spine surgery. Like I don't know, do a cesarean. Oof. Does that change your answer? Yeah, that's a lot. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll still do it. <laughs> Michael, at what age did you stop believing in Santa? Uh, I don't know. Eight, maybe? I mean, seven? Something like that? Ray, would you rather have a portrait drawing or a portrait uh, photograph? I would rather have a portrait drawing. Uh, Michael, would you rather work more hours a day but have longer weekends or work fewer hours a day with more work days? Uh, more, more hours, longer weekends, definitely. And last but not least, Ray, spelling bee or maths bee? Uh, spelling bee. Cool. Well, thank you guys for pick uh, for doing the quick fire and putting up with my terrible internet. I guess as we just sort of round up, um, a question I have is like, obviously this is the Hey FinTech Friends podcast. So who's a friend of yours, a FinTech friend of yours that you think we should be highlighting? Uh, yeah, well, so um, for me, I'm going to go, well, this is um, a bit, a bit, how would I describe this? Uh, well, anyways, so th- there's a really interesting platform called Lendable, which I, I think Nick knows well. Um, they-, they do crowdsource lending for fintechs across uh, emerging markets. And so I think as-, as such, they have really good kind of, um, well, first of all, it's a very interesting fintech platform in and of itself. But, but secondly, they just have a great, uh, they have great insight into the fintech, into the fintech landscape across um, Africa, Asia, Latin America. Um, and they just made this amazing um, hire to this uh, individual to lead their business intelligence and, and analytics department. Um, and uh, yeah, she also happens to be my partner. So I um, think obviously the world of her. Her name is Olivia. Um, she's super knowledgeable on fintech. Um, and uh, yeah, I think she'll do a great job for them and, and would be a very interesting person to have on this podcast. Yeah, I know of her as well. She is exceptional at what she does. I think she should definitely be on the podcast. She sounds great. And I love that you highlighted your partner. Um, what was I going to say? One last question just before we go. A question which I forgot to answer is how did you two meet and like, you know, just give us the, you know, the love story of this bromance? <laughs> Ooh, Mike, tell yeah. us, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, in terms of how we met, it's probably less interesting um, because, you know, we somewhere along the way in Kampala, you know, probably, I don't know, Ray, you were probably like playing a DJ set or something. Um, 
But in terms of how we like maybe the, the romance or the, let's say like the working relationship really started. Um, it was, I mean, we like to describe Operetta as a, as a COVID baby. Um, so I, I guess sort of coincidentally, um, during the pandemic, uh, one of the people living in my compound moved out. Um, and it just so happened that Ray was looking for a place. And so you know, I told him, Hey, this place opened up. It's perfect for you and, and your partner. You guys should check it out. Um, and, uh, so they moved in and, um, at that time, Ray was like starting to kind of poke around with, with Operetta. Um, and so they moved in this very intense lockdown. Uh, Uganda had one of the most intense lockdowns. I, like, I think they were the last country on, in the world to open the schools back up. Um, so like 7 PM curfew, uh, no cars on the road, lots of things like that for, for quite some time. So we literally had no choice, but to poke around on Operetta together. Um, so I, I was working another mm-hmm. job at a time, but um, Ray, Ray was just sort of constantly popping over to my place unannounced. <laughs> um, Every I, I, say, I say that in the most <laughs> endearing way. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we, we just like had lots of time to um, just map this whole thing out. Um, so I guess in, in some ways can be uh, very thankful to the pandemic for bringing us together. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mike did not really have a choice in this matter. You know, he was my neighbor, and every evening I'll just show up and be like, "Yo, so I was thinking about this, and then I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this, and I was just taking up so much of his time and so much headspace." Um, and so he he kind of got curious, and then he got involved, and then he was just like, "Okay, this sounds really interesting." I was like, "Well, you know, I know you're now moving to Senegal, but you know, there's there's still operator." It, it's a thing it's really interesting and you might want to check it out and yeah eventually i was able to win him over and now we have operator the company thanks to um my insistence <laughs> and unannounced visits yeah oh that sounds so cute i love how it started like that see the fun bringing one together creating <laughs> covid babies and bromances like i guess that's, that was mm-hmm the upside of the pandemic i guess um i think it's probably a good place to end there but thank you both so much for coming on the podcast um and um also just being really good sports about everything i really appreciate it um i'm Mm -hmm. gonna so yeah thank you so much signals is a subscriber only newsletter focusing on deep dives thought leadership and so much more here is a quick snippet from our latest one If you like the This Week in Fintech newsletter and the Hey Fintech Friends podcast, you'll love the deep dive content we publish in our premium newsletter, Signals. In this latest Signals piece, Des Fleming puts Yago Zavalia on stand to testify how Yago's company, Canlex, is turning lawsuits into investable financial assets. Yago and Des discuss litigation finance, how to think about cannibalizing your business, the role that luck plays in bringing Canlex founders together, and why it's actually better for most of the investors you'll pitch to to think that your startup idea is crazy. I don't want to give too many spoilers away, so I'll rest my case here. Subscribe to the This Week in Fintech newsletter and I'll see you next week. Besties. <laughs>